Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. This is our first episode recording since Christmas, so Happy New Year to everyone. This is episode five of series two, and once again, I'm joined by Chris Horn, Managing Director of Guns on Pegs. Chris, you're back to being a host. I am. I, I like being host. It was good fun, actually, doing the uh, doing the last one uh, and uh, having a bit of a nostalgic think back to the early days of Guns on Pegs. It was. Uh, I really enjoyed that with Dad. So, uh, yeah, thank you for letting us do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun. It was nice. Um, but, Chris, we are, we've got another guest with us this week. Um, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, so we've, this is our High Pheasant episode. Uh, and uh, back when we were plotting down uh, who we'd want for these different topics that we'd put down, there was one name right at the top of the list for this one. So I'm really pleased that he said yes very quickly in reply to my email. Uh, so... Uh, I'd say that, uh, yeah, we've got one of the most famous high pheasant shots in the country. We'll see what he says about that in a second. Uh, And uh, to quote some friends of mine, he is a true legend. So I don't think you can get a better intro than that. This week we've got with us Gerwin Jones. Hello, one intro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even been telling you boys tales, I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really, really good shots out there. There's a lot of really good shots. But yeah, happy to be on. Have Have a chat with you boys. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you with us, going it, and really looking forward to our chat today. But first order of business, as always, what's that you're drinking? I've got, um, it's the last bottle, actually, from 2010 of some slow gin that my mum made. 2010? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like nectar. Just, mum gives me a couple of bottles most years that she picks on the farm, and I just stick them to one side and then every now and again just get them out so um, there was a couple of bottles from 2010 one I've drunk over the course of this season with a couple of mates here and there and I thought do you know what it's, it might be the one to have um, for this so yeah it's it's really really lovely it's really good that's amazing I've all I make a bit every year and this is the first year ever that I've not run out by this time of year and that is simply because we haven't had the days at home because of all the corona stuff yeah 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 so I'm fascinated to know like how does it change over time? I've heard lots about it, but I've never actually spoken to anybody who's actually got had some some really old slow gin. I think it's like wine in a way. It um, it, it just it just gets better and better. Um, it's cle- it, it it goes clearer. It's not as it's not as it's thinner, um, and it's almost like the color of brandy. It loses the redness, the red red tinge, um, but it's just so smooth. It is like like silk, quite literally like silk. But oh, um, yeah, I, I, if you've got a couple left, just put them, just put hide them somewhere and forget about them for ten years. Well, I was about to say that's the most, the most amazing thing about a, a twenty ten bottle of slow gin is that it it's tw- it's ten years old that you managed to keep it for that yeah, long. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm quite good like that. Same. I, I I kind of just put put it to one side and kind of forget about it, and then because you know a lot of the shoots and things that you go on now, you know the the shoots usually supply you with slow gin. So I just I just take take a bit of my own, you know, occasionally just to have a little slurp in a in a hip flask and that. But of course on a year like this with the COVID and that, you haven't really been able to share it or anything like that. You just just haven't bothered. So, so it is good. It is it's really good. It's really good. Have you ever done slow whiskey? I've tried it, but I've never done it. Yeah, have you? I yeah, it's re- I do you know what? I, I never used to drink whiskey when I was younger. And actually it was what got me into it. In yeah. that you can do it and it doesn't really taste anything like whiskey. So use some real crap, kind of like you do with gin in a way. You don't yeah, use yeah. the best stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a dreamer of a drink. People always sort of raise their eyebrows when you say it, but no, I it's can't nice, encourage nice. it enough. Yeah, no, I've, I've tried it. One of my mates back up at home, Phil, um, was my, my oldest, closest mate, he's got a little shoot on his farm and I've been up there for ages with the boys, but 
he, he did some a good few years back and you wouldn't want too much of it let's put it that way it is really nice <laughs> yeah indeed george what do you want well it's funny that you should talk about what got you into whiskey because um i have got a glass of lefroig which Ooh. is the first Eating. whiskey that i ever really sort of the, the re- it was it's what really turned me on to whiskey in the first place and as you say it's really peaty um, I, I was on a fishing holiday in Scotland with my family and we'd had a big boozy supper after a really good day's fishing. I think I might have had my first fish that day, although that might be complete rubbish. I can't quite remember. It was it was nearly 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, I was trying to think what to have today. And um, it's it felt like a, a suitable drink to have, you know, cold weather, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I've got a, a pretty decent sized bucket full um, <laughs> to last me the, the podcast. And um, yeah my favorite it's still my favorite um i like them smoky and peaty and i was gonna say uh, because you said lefroy lefroy turned you on to whiskey i remember lefroy when i was younger my dad used to drink it and it turned me right off whiskey it's one of those (laughs) things sort of east and west coast isn't it because actually it was the west coast ones that got me onto it and i could i I still to this day i can't really drink lefroy but maybe that's just because i'm i don't know can't can't even grow a beard yet. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I always think about it is we used to have a, a family um, cottage on the west coast of Scotland and it smells like the bath water used to smell uh, <laughs> in that neck of the woods. And it's got really kind of evocative memories for me. So, um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I like that peatiness to it. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, I've seen in the, in the video um, that you've got something very strange looking what have you got i'm double parked uh but i haven't been too well this week so this is a really this is a first for me i'm double parked with an earl grey and a barocca <laughs> 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 uh, i've uh, i've got a a twinings earl grey i can't say too much <laughs> I, I can't elaborate this earl grey into more than it actually is but it's an earl grey I've, I've even got a little bit of shortbread so i feel like i've gone around to my granny's for afternoon tea <laughs> love it <laughs> we better, just in case anybody's worrying we don't think you've got corona do we grace uh well it doesn't matter i'm on the other end of a zoom call anyway but uh <laughs> no i i, I just don't. thought people might be worried about you oh that's very kind of you george no i i had that in march and this is very different this is just a standard january cold After i uh yeah, exactly. I think it's just coming back to work and then finding out that you can't go shooting anymore. It's uh, it's enough to give anyone a cold. Yeah. Depression, that's called. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depression induced cold, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, all good. All good. Otherwise, good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Right now, go and we're going to get into the uh, the meat of things. And it's uh, I keep saying to every guest, it's not oh. all fun games, and we're going to put you to work. And you've got some important decisions to make coming up. Uh, it's uh, the second kind of feature of the podcast. It's called Whose Bird Is It Anyway? And what happens is uh, our listeners send us in their sort of shooting dilemmas and stories. And we make basically a snap judgment on the life choices that they've made. Uh, so this one uh, is submitted by somebody we're calling Eddie to keep them anonymous. And it's a it's a proper Whose Bird Is It Anyway? But okay. not in the way that you might think. So Eddie's email reads... As follows. Earlier this season, I was on a day where I knew the headkeeper pretty well, but the rest of the guns were only really sort of acquaintances. Picture the last drive before the morning break. A good few high birds and then wallop. Out comes a screamer. So high it had ice on it. 
it was the dreaded situation straight down the middle between my neighbor and I. So we did the polite thing and both went for it. Two shots fired almost simultaneously. The pheasant folded and I knew I had missed and my neighbor knew he had hit it. Now, this is where I must tell you about my neighbor. He was a cock. (laughs) That's the the punctuation. (laughs) There are a few few and far between in the gun line, but they're out there and he was one of them. Award winning. Anyway, back at the vintage Soviet gun bust, we were tucking into some rare breed sausages with honey and whole grain mustard accompanied by the obligatory slow gin. As you can imagine, the question was asked, who hit that monster that came down in the next county? Quick as a flash, I put my hand up. I had every intention of then saying, no, not really. It was the gentleman to my right and how marvellous it was too. Exquisite piece of shooting, skill, poetry in motion, etc. Ha ha ha, aren't I a card? We're all friends here. (laughs) However, my neighbour went from naught to a hundred in a flash, full on, toys out of the pram, choking on his sausage, (laughs) huffing and puffing and steam issuing from his ears. Threats were made. So I thought, no, I'm not going to backtrack. I'm going to stand here and keep to my story with a wry grin on my face. (laughs) The majority of the other guns knew I'd missed anyway, but also relished the toddler-like spat. Do you think I should have owned up? (laughs) Love it. I mean, (laughs) first class top marks for the storytelling. I loved that. Just beautifully put. But going... (laughs) Come on, what, what what would you have done? I I think I would have done exactly the same as a, as the chap who wrote the letter would have done. To be totally honest with you, if the guy was that much of a cock as he was put it, I mean, yeah. Do you know what? For a bit of devilment and all the other guys knew exactly what had gone on. You just tell everybody else afterwards. I didn't touch it, but yeah, let him stew over it. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> naughty or not, but I I know it's not really the right thing to do. But do you know what? If there's somebody like that around, whatever. <laughs> If, honestly, if you if you can't take the if you can't take the joke, on a, I, shooting's all about laying into each other, isn't it? Claiming each other's birds. Exactly, exactly. Taking, We've got a friend called Claim a Lot. One of the guys who shoots with us, he's, 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 we just call him Sir Claim a Lot, and he loves it. He, he, he always, did you see that bird I shot? There, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, everybody. Knows. It's just great fun. It's, it's what it's about. It's the banter of the day, isn't it? But if you take it too seriously, do you know what? Go and shoot on your own. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think. I think if if anyone thinks they know this guy, just keep do, uh, the guy who who whose bird who 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 actually shot the bird. Just keep doing it to him, please. This, yeah. We need yeah. to, we need <laughs> to get him out of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You you could be pointing the other direction. Just claim all his birds. He'll chill yeah. out sooner or later. <laughs> just just let him shoot the bird, and then as he turns around, break your gun. That's the old world one, isn't it? Even if you don't shoot it, just break your gun every time. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Well, so was it? Was it? Are we naming this guy Eddie, George? Yeah, Eddie. Keen listeners will notice that there's a theme here. I'm just working my way through the alphabet with the fake names, <laughs> so it's going to be Freddie next. <laughs> yeah, well, dear old Eddie uh, gets himself on a his hands on um, a pair of the exclusive, highly exclusive, the uh, seriously money money cannot buy Guns on Pegs podcast garters. Uh, so uh, they will be sent to Eddie and Gerwin, uh as our guest on today's episode. You will also get a pair of these awesome garters. Wow! Thank you very much, <laughs> and well done, Eddie, on that great story. Well, br- brilliantly written, indeed. Yeah. yeah. 
they're garish and you'll notice them you'll notice when someone's wearing them out in the field so you know that you can go up to that person and ask them what what's the story behind those yeah, there's always yeah, going to be a good story yeah, yeah. so Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much so uh, we we've had a we've had another email from from across the pond actually uh oh. last time out last time out we had a we had a, a great little story from someone who'd messaged in we we like to hear where people are listening to the podcast and we had honestly it's quite it's quite overwhelming actually for for george and i we get these emails in and we had some lovely ones over the christmas period uh of just far fung places where people have been you know this this really is going all over the world it's just it's awesome uh sure. so this one this one goes dear, dear chris and george he writes um I've been enjoying the podcast, especially the friendly banter and the life experience brought forward from your guests. I often listen while snowshoeing up the valley in late afternoons behind the house. We live in the southwest corner of Alberta, along the continental divide with the Rocky Mountains. The dogs often move a grouse or two on these daily sojourns, and we keep them alert and keen. I rarely bring a gun this close to home, and it's so nice to move these birds week after week through the long winter. And he sent us a photo, actually. And my God, it's dreamy. We were all seriously jealous. Uh, It does look incredible. So, Doug, uh, thank you so much for letting us know that he's he's listening to a bit of... uh, bit of the podcast while snowshoeing walking up some grouse just keeping them alert in uh, in canada that's absolutely that's awesome fantastic. So, that is fantastic isn't it jealous yeah totally jealous um but also chris uh we've had another email after our david gower podcast from a, a couple of episodes back and if you've not heard it really recommend it. it was a really good fun one to do um what we asked david to do uh was to um put together his uh, perfect cricketers shooting team and he uh, he put together a really cool one with some absolute legends of the game from all around the world it was a really nice team so christian roberts has been in touch with his sporting shooting team uh syndicate name high flyers which is very good yeah and so he's got one cricketer ian botham uh he's got a rugby player johnny wilkinson um who says can hopefully keep his gun between the grouse posts uh, we've got an Olympic gold medalist in Peter Wilson to help keep the bag uh, around where it should be. Um, we've got Jessica Ennis, a multidiscipline female shot. We've got David Beckham. And then finally, he's, we've got Frankie Tatori, who he says is small in size, so he can help with the ground game. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, uh, he's, he's missing Peter Crouch, isn't he, George? A tool lad for the high birds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Brilliant. That's a pretty that's a, that's a pretty impressive team, though, isn't it? It'd be good yeah, fun be good, if you're on the That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. So if you want to get your hands on a pair of these garters, you can send us your dream shooting lineup. Doesn't have to be sports people. Send you know, it's a bit like that dinner party game. Uh, you can tell us where you're listening from. You can send us your confession or your dilemma. But yeah, we love getting this correspondence. So email pod at gunsonpegs.com and uh, if we feature your your email in uh, the podcast. We'll get some of these garters over to you. But um, now that we've got all of that done, uh, go and it's time to move on to the the high pheasant chat. That's the main reason you're here. So I think for the purposes of of definitions, we'd better ask how high is high? What is a high pheasant in your mind? Bearing in mind that Nelson's column is 55 yards. Yeah, that's the most common question of all of it when it all comes down to it isn't it it's that is a very very good pheasant you know there's a lot of people i think that aren't really 
oh, I should have sent the arrow, I should have sent the arrow. You get a rangefinder. Like you said, go and stand by Nelson's column. I've done it many, many times when I lived in London. It's a properly good bird. I mean, everybody would be delighted to shoot a bird going over the top of Nelson's column. There are some... There are some shoots out there which, you know, throw them out of range. You know, we, we all know that, you know. Uh, but um, I, I would say, look, to me, a 50-yard-plus bird is a really, really good bird that anybody would be delighted to shoot, absolutely delighted. If that's coming straight over your head at 50 yards up, it's a properly good pheasant. And, you know, you can you can, you can can shoot them higher than that, obviously. But, I mean, that's more than good enough, more than, you know. A 40-yard's a good bird, you know. We can, it's, it, get a get a rangefinder or, you know, do what they say, you know, step it out, you know, go and go and go and step out in a field. Um, or go and put a go and put a go and put a cardboard box or something a hundred yards down a field and shoot at it with a twelve born. It's a flipping long way. It's a really, really long way. But uh, so true. Yeah. yeah. I, I I love I love testing distance when you're chatting to people. I mean I'm not the best at it myself, but I feel like I I can I can get fairly close. But yeah. <laughs> you ask some people how far away like that oak tree is and you get some wild answers. It's hilarious. You and do. I do think that when people say, oh I had a had a 70, 80, 90 yarder on that drive. Nelson's column is the is a classic example. If ever you're in London with someone who yeah. shoots Ask them how high it is, and obviously yeah. those who listen to this now know it's fifty-five yards. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna get you, you get one hundred and ten regularly out of that yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch the pigeons when they fly over Nelson's column. They're th- oh, you'd, this you'd be laughing if you brought this one of them small, down. This small, you'd be over the moon. You'd be absolutely over the moon. And it, it, it's, I think a lot of thing with 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 the way that high pheasant shooting has gone as well there's, there's a lot of, they're, they're, look don't get me wrong boys there there are there, there are guys out there that that, that can do it you know they, and they, they but in order to get in my opinion fairly consistent at these 50 yard plus birds you've got to do a lot of it you know you, you just have that's the thing it's not it's and, and you can go and practice on the clay towers etc cetera, etc cetera, during the summer and that but nothing nothing prepares you for actually doing actually getting underneath those birds I'm working out the pictures and the slide and the slip and everything on them. And all the boys, if you say to anybody, you know, there's, there's, there's guys out there that do it. The best ones do a lot of it. Simple as that. It's like with anything. It's like all the good grouse shots and that. They don't just turn up for one or two days a season. They do a lot of it. And, you know, that's that's why it's like with anything. You do enough of anything, you get good at it, don't you? It's a common theme covered up here because this came up on the grouse episode as well. Uh, basically, to be really good at this, you've just got to be super wealthy and get out and do loads of high pheasant shooting. <laughs> or be lucky and have great friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You've got to do a lot of it. It's like that. There's, there's a great book. I can't think of the name. It's, um, it's called Bounce, and it's it's the, the 10,000 rule. Um, oh, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, have you read it? It's, it, it, it's really, really good. And a guy, Alan Edwards, told me about it years and years ago. He was loading for me somewhere on, on a grouse moor, and we were we were talking back at the time about you know wonderful grouse shots and all that. And he said, "Read, read, read the book, read Banks." And you know, there's a few guys out there, boys that own moors and that, and they, you know, they they will have shot a left hand crossing grouse at forty yards and a right hand crossing. They will have done. They, they would they would have done it ten thousand times each. You know, it becomes muscle memory. It just becomes instinctive, and you can see those guys in action. You know, their anticipation of it's, they they don't miss. They you know when you're on grass they do not miss. That, that, you know they, they, over the course of a day what they miss is you could probably count it on both fingers over the course of a day. Yeah, and and I think that um, uh, this is one of the things with shooting in that 
most game shots, I'd say, and I, I'd, I've never actually asked people this, but I'd say most game shots do a variety of shooting. And and over the course of the year, you find yourself on vastly different shoots from a sort of, you know, from a little syndicated shoot, family shoot, to a big commercial one, to a this, that, and the other. Because you get invited by different people and then you take days at your own place, the rest of it. And therefore, it becomes very tricky to get good at any one thing because by the moment you've got good at it, you're on to something totally different. So yeah. I think that could be one of the things that makes shooting so cool in a way that you don't. it's not the same all the time. I agree. I agree. I, and I typically, think... of course, you're going to go from from really high things to little hedge-hopping East Anglian partridges and the difference is enough to throw you out completely. And, um, you know, that's the, that's just the typical thing that happens, sod's law. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So, Gerwin, do you find yourself on high pheasants six days a week? No, nothing like nothing like everybody says that. I wish <laughs> I've got a business to run. No, no, no. You just saying then about guys, you know, and I'm really, really lucky, you know, that I'm able to shoot pigeons in the summer and, and, and out of season and grouse, and I've been, you know, so privileged and, and and blessed to be able to shoot wild grey partridges the last two or three years, and you know, and then I don't tend to get onto the pheasants till November normally. Um, mid-November once the grouse are all over because you know a late season grouse day is like nothing else I think it's just the best of the best and then you can focus on the fezzies then afterwards but there are a nucleus of guys out there that do specifically only shoot what I would say extreme pheasants high pheasants whatever you want to call them and they don't tend to do anything else they, they just don't and there's there's a gang of boys and they're all pretty damn good at it you, you take my word for it they you know that, that's but that's all they do they they tend not to go on traditional shoots they don't do grouse they might do an all day on it, blah, blah, blah. But they just, they are like a specialist, for want of a better word. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, a few years back, I could see myself slipping into that category. And I just thought, do you know what? There's so many other wonderful forms of shooting out there. That, you know, you just don't want to be, you know, classed as one. I'd, I'd much rather go out and, you know, have a much rounded season, if you like, shooting, a, you know, all the different wonderful varieties of birds we've got in this country. But like I said, if you, if you, you take a look at, some boys who are very, very, very good. That they tend to be. That's all they do. That is all they do. And they, they, they so come true. In, they come in in October and start up in. There's, there's, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a sequence in the. In... I can say just to be out doing it three times a week. There's got to be something about it that that you absolutely love. So can you for people who've not had the experience, maybe can you try and sort of paint a bit of a picture about what it is about that hybrid extreme pheasant shooting that 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 sort of makes you tick. I think of all the forms of shooting, the most difficult individual shot of all is probably that very, very high cock pheasant later on in the season with its wings set, gliding off a, a Welsh mountain or a, a Yorkshire wold or a Devon coombe or, you know, off a, off a side of a mountain in Scotland. It is, I think, the pinnacle, if you like, of, of, of difficultness, or if this is such a word as difficultness, <laughs> but uh, it, it's... And when you do hit one, they take a long time to hit the ground. And it is just very, very, very satisfying. There's just something about it. And, and, and you know, you can, you can go some days and think you're shooting really well. And then you, know, you, you, you have drives where you think, oh, my God, I've got this mastered now. And then you go around the corner or two, three miles away to the next drive. And you look at the – my thing is I go, I look at the clouds, which way are they going to be sliding? And that's that's everything with high birds is the slide. It's, it's everything. There's very rarely a true straight high pheasant. So you look at those clouds when you get there, 
but what you sometimes don't realize is you know they they, they could those clouds could be blowing up into a valley they could be spinning around and, and, and the wind at the height the birds are coming off could be coming back down the valley so you're going up the up the left hand side and then up the left hand side and not hitting them right i need more i need more and you end up going way up the left hand side and actually you need to be up the right hand side and it's just things like that it's the technical side to it it's a very technical form of shooting but when it works it's poetic it's just absolutely poetic there's, there's, there's nothing like it that's such a key tip uh i'm really glad you've said that because i think that that's I, i've suffered from that many times and got you know got awfully frustrated and wondered what it is and that tip of what's the wind doing up there when you're on a high pheasant drive compared to where you are which is down in the valley and the wind's moving in a different direction because the, the you know most shoots you go oh, you're you're in front of them you're behind them yeah i'm behind them i'm behind them on a high day you're up the side up, left right yeah. wherever i mean like it's just Lines front behind it. exactly yeah, so uh, exactly. classic tip from a high pheasant shot look at what the wind's doing up there with the clouds it's the first thing i do when i get into a peg before i do anything before i fire a shot before i do absolutely anything and even on a clear day you know if, if you've got one of these and they're not the great greatest of high of flying days when you get the high pressure blue sky blah 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 no wind but you you just have a look you'll find something to tell you which way the wind's going up there but you know on a cloudy day it's perfect just and, and it doesn't have to be hardly any wind at all if these birds, it, it, if they're coming off what I would say are more of a mountain drive then, let's say, you know, where they're coming from a long way back, and, and a lot of the, 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 the sort of the Scottish ones and the Welsh ones are more typically off mountains rather than crossing over tight valleys. And those birds are coming from such a long way back. They're always diving as well. They're very, very, very rarely on those shoots that a bird is going straight across. They often, you know, just they they are dropping. So, th therefore, they're going faster than the ones going over a short valley. So your your amount of slip, if you like, or the amount that you need to be up one side or the other, is quite a bit more. Whereas on a slow one, you can get away. You know, and, and if and if he's if the bird's still flapping, he's not going quickly at all. Anything that's still flapping hasn't hit the maximum height and set its wings. If you're underneath them and they're still flapping, you just come straight through them, pull the trigger. You don't need to allow yeah. for anything when they're flapping; it just comes straight through. But when the wings are set, that's when it—that's when it gets into the what I call the exciting kind of stuff. It's this is so good to talk about this because I think <clears throat> we've all been undone by this. And actually, what, what when you were just describing that, it made me think of um, of Clavelli. Um, yeah. sh shooting at Clavelli when you're down on like hobby or garden or something like that, and you've got birds flapping quite high, and then you've got birds slightly lower, wings set doing twice the speed, dropping because they're using the contour. And you can be undone in a minute in yeah. like and literally just and just really wheels fall right off and you cannot hit a barn door. I've seen that happen to many people there. Uh, yeah. but yeah, there's, there's so many scenarios you can think of. It's it's again another great bit of advice. It's a great example. And, and that's what you do you, you if you if you look as well, you know, and all the boys say this as well, you know, you look over the course of a day, it's very rare that somebody's killed you know one phenomenal bird it's very rare that bird's a cockbird it's normally always a hen and and it, it, it's just they are they're smaller they're softer you know they they, they 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 die easier that's that's the reality of it whereas you know a cockbird that to me simon ward you know amazing shot you know, everybody knows who simon is you know you you talk to him about it and you know we've we've had this chat gazillion times you know you kind of you get this kind of look that a January cockbird with its wing set 
that's the one you want to kill. Because you've got to shoot him in the gnashes, as Simon would say. You know, it's got to be in the front end, otherwise they just don't die. Simple as that. Mm. It's, got it's so to be- true as well. Hen, hen birds, it is. It's like partridges as well, isn't it? When you when you when you're shooting partridges and you you bring down a corker, and it is because it takes a bit less to bring it down. Yeah, yeah. And they are they're, they're spectacular. Shooting high partridges is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, I love it. But to me, you know, it's you you'll pull. You often see if if you're on a on a day where there's mixed partridges and pheasants in the drives, you know, and and, and if it's a ridiculous bird, it's generally a partridge. In those mixed drives, because they they you know they will one pellet and they fall out of the sky. And I don't know, I love shooting partridges, but it, it, it's you you know you, you really really got to be on it to get bring those big cockbirds down. You really have to be, and that's yeah, that's, especially as the season goes on. You know they you know I've got you've probably seen they've got those crazy cocker spaniels, and you know when, when they bring the birds back, and as the season goes on, obviously the birds are getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and you know they you know you've really really got to be in the front end to bring them down. Is this point you, you you don't kill them with a body shot late season? So thinking about shoots themselves, uh, <clears throat> I, w- I want to get your opinion on a few things. Who do you think um, the best shoot host is? And you've got to name a name here. You can't sit on the fence. There's two standout ones for me. It's Crofty and Lord Sutton. So that's Richard Croft up at Briggins and Caleb down in the West Country. And and, and there's, no, there's loads of others out there who are brilliant. So do you, do you know why that question's in here? God, God. <laughs> I was I was texting Crofty before we started, and he said, "Ask him <laughs> who the best <bedroom> host is." He said, "Also, ask him how many how many how many birds his dogs have actually picked up." <laughs> <laughs> About three. <laughs> He always asked me that. How many do you reckon they've done? I said, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> they're they're um, kind of, on the days when I sort of organise the days and get, get get some mates together, I can kind of get away with it, but I just let them run loose and they, they're they either loved or hated the, 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 because they are the naughtiest dogs you've ever seen, but they do hoover an awful lot of birds. And you know, when I'm pigeon shooting on my own, that's all I want. I, I don't need to be, I'm not a field trailer. I'm over far from a field trailer as you'll ever get. But just their own thing and just randomly bring them back. But yeah, Crofty's always there with his very well behaved Labrador, and so's Caleb. And they're like, Jones, you and your damn cockers. Anyway, <laughs> that's so funny that you mentioned those two. Literally, I text two people before this to get extra uh, ammo and questions, and I text Caleb and Crofty, and, uh, and both of them were texting back. Yeah, both of them texting back straight away. That that's so funny that you've you've mentioned. That's bonkers. They're, they're not look. They're not only hosts, They're really good mates. As you say, maybe maybe they've been uh, texting you once Chris texts them. Maybe there's been a bit of underhand business going on. No, <laughs> not a thing. seriously, seriously, not a thing, not a thing. It's bizarre. But I fish. I, my absolute, you know, I love fly fishing, as you probably know, and and yeah, I fish quite a bit with Caleb, and I just got to know Crofty since he's been up at Betters, and you know, they're, they're great guys, they're mates, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not just shoot, random shooters. These boys, they're, 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 we're proper friends, so always will be. They're great lads, they're properly, properly good, and they really, really take it seriously, you know, and 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 they've got. I don't know what they've just got a little bit of something different. Halfway through, I've seen Caleb do this. You could be on a drive, you blast the horn halfway through the drive, or even a a quarter of the way through the drive. Like, what's all that about? Right, this isn't working. Let's go. Come on, boys. We'll go and have a quick, quick drop of slow gin now, and they'll go and blank another drive in. So he'll basically he'll go off piste. You know what they've got planned at the beginning of the day, and if it doesn't work, I could. There's not many people that do that. 
you know, especially in the commercial world as well, where you know they've they've got another team coming in in a day or two or something, blah blah blah. But you know, they, 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 those guys go the extra mile. They they really do. You, you know, they, and they'll move guns. You know, and there are other, Stuart Morn's really good at doing that up at Whitfield. You know, he's always moving yeah. guns to get them in the shoot. This, I could keep on. You know, I could keep on. You know, but you know, some people just dig the heels in. Oh, it'll work. It'll work. It'll work. But you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you, if you're out of it, you're out of it. You know, that's just how it is. But on 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 these larger sort of commercial shoots, if you like, they tend to get the bag in four drives, no matter what the bag is. Um, it's early season, so you know, if you are out of it for one of the drives, it's a quarter of your day, I suppose, isn't it? So you know, the guys that really stand out, they know that, they, and. Those two, you know, Caleb and, and Crofty, they both love shooting themselves as well. They, you know, they're very, they're very good shots, and they they see it from you know both sides. And I think that's a lot of it. When you've got a keen shooting man running a shoot, they go the extra mile as well. Yeah, indeed. No, I can certainly vouch for those two guys. I've got a follow-on question. I'm not going to ask you what your favourite shoot is because I think you probably get asked that all the time. It's too easy. So I'm going to ask you what you think the best drive in the country is. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> oh, that is that is <laughs> that's a really, really. I mean, I've shot at Brigands for the last sixteen years, multiple times every season, and I know that place like a back of my hand. And you know, it's it's just an unbelievable shoot, and it's like with everything. You know, some years the very best day you've had that you are at Brigands, and some 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 years the very best day you've had. Is at another shoot, you know, and, and you know, what, how do you describe a best day? It could have been you shot well, you know, you had the most wonderful wild night the night before, you had the fun, you had the banter. You know, it's not all just about the shooting. And I'm, I'm veering off here, I know, but I mean, oh God, it's so, I mean, if I got one drive left to shoot, it would probably be Welsh Haven at Brigands, which is a phenomenal drive off a Brackeny tight v-shaped valley where they come off and they're not out of range they're not one or two are out of range but the majority of the birds on welsh haven are just in range and i mean just out of range is pointless but you know don't get me wrong i love seeing these ridiculous things going out over range out of range it's just fun and a giggle but you don't bother shooting at them because why would you it's pointless but you know that's the topography lends itself to showing birds of that height but welsh haven they're fast they're sliding, they're slipping, they're doing everything in the book. And if you hit one, because the ground falls off behind you all the way to the valley bottom, they drop forever as well. So it's spectacular just to turn around. If, you, if, you, if you're lucky enough to bump into one or two, just turn around and watch them falling out of the sky. And it's just it's spectacular. It is spectacular. But I'm going to throw one more drive in, which not many people, well, you either know about it or you don't, because there's a new drive last year up at Merton Grange, which is Merton and Hornby combined, which is run by Chris Blundell's team. Um, you've got Trevor Bailey up there and Sean, and I mean, those two boys are serious, serious players. In the game. You know, what they don't know about flying pheasants isn't worth knowing. And they've got this new drive called Cliffwood, and we were up there last year. We had this day that Chris very kindly invited us, and George was with us. George was up there. You know, it was a pretty strong team. John Kennedy was up there. And we were chatting about it, and, and we said, you know, it was... I mean, we'd never, ever had a better day's pheasant shooting. It's pheasants and partridge combined, um, but we'd never had a better day anywhere. And you, you, it can only get to a certain level. You know, you can you can get those days at Brigands, you can get them at Chargat, you can get them at Maristow, you can get them at Hadio. You can, you know, there's so, there's 20-odd absolute, you know, amazing high bird shoots out there. 
and one's probably not better than the other. The, on their day, they can all give you the, the most outstanding days. But Cliff Wood, like I said, it only started last season. Uh, I mean, you got to see it. It is just, it's classic. Big wood, hanging wood on top of a hill. You're on a field, straight line across the field. So it's classic. You can see all all your guns. You can see them in a straight line. Big, big gaps between you and the other guns. And I mean, these are monsters. When I say monsters, these are proper monsters. And it can go on and on and on and on. The drive just, <laughs> it's like a never-ending drive. It ticks pretty much every box. So uh, it's pretty spectacular, I can tell you. So good. But, yeah. But uh, my, my old faithful is the Brigands, as you, you probably gathered. I, I, cause I've shot this so many times. I just It's like going home for me. I love the place. Absolutely yeah, love it. it's a good shoot. I've, I've, I've had the wheels come off there a couple of times. We all have, mate. We all have, believe you, mate. <laughs> Nobody tamed the brigands yet. I heard somebody saying a couple of years ago, and I think it's very, very Indeed. true. So um, I wanted to ask you about a different side. Uh, we, we, we never talk about anything vaguely serious on this podcast because we're, really we're, we're really bored of being serious. But I've got to ask you about something which is vaguely serious. Uh, we're in the transition period away from lead. Uh, and given that it's happening and we won't debate any of that aspect, that's done. What are your thoughts looking forward? And obviously, I will add in: you're a, you're clearly a, you are an Ely man. You're a plugged Ely man, which is absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, yeah we're we're good friends with the guys yeah. at Ely and and all of the all the manufacturers actually. But um, so absolutely no shame in plugging. But I'm really keen to know some technical specifics from you on where you see it going forward, because obviously one of the big issues that people keep talking about is well, it's the end of five pheasant shooting, is it? I took. Me, 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 I know it's me, but I, I, I took some of the Ely um, Eco Wads up, not this season, but last season up to Brigands, and they did a film on it. It was a film film on on, 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 um, on Steel, and Crofty can tell you, Crofty stood behind the line he hosted that day, and, and he said, and Adam Calvert was up there, you know, everybody, Adam's well-known in the, in the shooting industry, he was up there with Sonia, and I, anyway, we were stood on the Oaks, which... If, if you haven't shot at the Brigands in the last four years, you would remember the Oaks as being a very good drive, but you, would, you wouldn't have called it an extreme drive, but it's now changed dramatically. And I mean, there's birds off there as good as any drive in the country. And we thought, right, well, we'll, we'll try it. So I can't put them through those Pratsies I've got because they're fixed choke, they're too tight. Um, so I borrowed a Browning gun with, I, th- I can't remember what it was. I think it was half choke because um, you can't go more than half. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. half. And you'd be amazed what you could kill with them. That's all I'm going to say. You, you know, it's on film. And I mean, 50, 60 yarders. Not, and look back to what we said earlier in the, in the, in, in the interview. 70 yards is a hell of a bird. It's a long, long, long way. But you can kill them. You can. I didn't kill any at that range with the steel, but I did kill very, very cleanly sort of 50, 60 yarders. And I mean, when I mean clean, I mean stone dead. Absolutely, you know, sacks of flour falling out of the sky. Um, and we, 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 we sh- I shot them on the oaks. I didn't shoot them on Tommy's or the waterfall because they're just bonkers. And that, was be, that would be pointless. My thoughts are they will cater for 95% of the bird shot that are shot these days, if, if it gets down to it. I don't want it to happen. I really don't want it to happen. Um, if it happens, it happens. But... A friend of mine was telling me last week, now I should have written it down, but apparently there are some other things or some other materials potentially that I'd never heard of. And I'll find out what they are. It might be worth doing a chat with you again on it. But there is there is something in the pipeline that apparently are devastating. And it's it's not like tungsten or anything. It's something I'd never heard of. Really? 
Price is uh, going to be the issue with a lot of these things. I mean, tungsten matrix is is as close to lead on the old density scale. It's ten point nine. Lead is eleven. So tungsten matrix is as close. And if you can afford a pound a shot, but then again, if you can afford to go on a big day at the brigands, then exactly, exactly. You know, that's the thing. You know, we, you know, we all say it's, it's it's they're too expensive. But at the end of the day, if you put it into percentages, of what the day costs anyway. You know, and and at the end of the day, you'll only need those cartridges on these birds. You know, the steel will cater for your 40, 50 yarders all day long, but it won't cater for the really extreme stuff. But then, okay, so what you do, if you're going, let's use the Brigands as an example. So if, you, if, you're, going, if you're going to Tommy's, which is a, you know, awesome, phenomenal drive, but they're mental. Um, all right, get your tungstens out or you know, heavy shots, another one. You know, the, the Remington heavy shot they use in the States, they've done tests on them and they reckon that you, I've never seen it, but they reckon you can kill stuff 80, 90 yards with that as clean as a whistle. Um, but it's really, really expensive. But again, you know, put it into the, what does the day cost? What does the cartridges cost? Well, okay, we're going to Tommy's. We'll use the expensive shells. We're going to Guainian, which is still an exceptional drive, but not quite as high. Use the, use the steel. I think that's probably what you'd end up doing. And I'm sure there's going to be continual developments. It's not like what we've got now is going to be the only thing we have in the future. So this is going to change. But 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 I suppose that's actually slightly, it's slightly encouraging hearing you say this because if if 95% of the shooting is absolutely fine, then, well, nearly, nearly, nearly everyone yeah. listening to this is just going to think, well, well no, no problem exactly. here then. This is the thing, isn't it? This is the thing. You know, I mean, even even on when you go on these bird days, let's just say, for example, if you have a day at the Brigands, in, some people may class it as a big day, some people may not. It, 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 you tend to do 400 bird days. Well, if you've got eight guns... That's 50 birds a piece. It's 10, 11 birds a drive. You know, so it's not, I don't think it's obscene in any way, shape or form. But when you're going on those days, if you, if you, how do I put this? Let's say your, your bag's 400. Of that 400 birds you've shot, I can guarantee you, no matter who the team is, that small percent, percentage of them are going to be 70 yards plus. Most of them will be between 50, 60, 60, 70 yards. And there's loads of guys out there that, oh, yeah, I shot this and I shot that, blah, 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 blah. We all know it's just not true. It is not true. There's, you know, there's, there's a range where you can kill things out too. And I, I've seen it. I've seen a lucky pellet kill things, and I believe 90-odd yards out to 100. I've seen birds killed at those ranges over the years. But it's it's a lucky pellet, boys. That's all it is. It's simple as that. There's no consistency as that, and it doesn't make you an exceptional shot. It makes you a lucky yeah. shot. And it's simple. And it, that. You know, that, that it becomes harder and harder to defend as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what? What? Why would you? You know, what's the point? That's that. That technique is out of range. Now, if I see one that's at a pellet, I don't care how far away it is. I will always, always give it another, give it a barrel. Yeah, agree. And yeah, I, I hate people not doing that. You know, because it uh, cartridge ratios, I detest. Oh, I shot at one point two to one, you know, five point six to one. Whatever I shot at is irrelevant. I didn't. I couldn't give a hoot what my ratios yeah. are. You know, you're there to dispatch these birds as cleanly and as efficiently as you can. And you know, you, you, if you see one prick, for God's sake, give it the second barrel. And if you're stood next to him, if if you're if you're either side, both of you should be shooting at these birds as they're going to the ground behind you. It reminds me of a day I had, uh, literally one of the best days of my life. I uh, was at Stanage and I was standing behind the line with Jonathan. Uh, and uh, my job was to clean up anything that was pricked. So literally right to Rome, loose your barrels off at something two, three pegs away. Dream job. 
just just because you know if it's it's taken one you've got it you've got to you've got to let a barrel yeah. off and i just it was one of those days where everything clicked like you refer to and it i just couldn't couldn't have gone better and it was i would never ever forget it it's so so good and it's one and it only happened because the day before got cancelled and various things happened and so i found myself standing behind the line cleaning up and it oh dreamy yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful I, I if somebody says go, I'll, I'll um the oaks at the moment of the brigands if if you um if, if you're lucky enough to get placed on the field down by the farm which is right down in the bottom i mean you've got these most ridiculous things coming over you they're insane but what you can also do there is is you know you know it doesn't matter who the team is. the team i shoot with are pretty damn straight i can tell you you know there's some there's some very very or some i rate some of the best shots you'll ever see and you know nobody kills them all simple as that just nobody and you know you're there and it's just a you're getting a chance to do the right thing by you know dispatching one that's you know it's it's a dead bird flying for want of a better word um so you can do that and obviously you get the chance to shoot these monsters as well and it's 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 it's, it's wonderful it's just i just love it i absolutely love it i go back on all day if i could it'd be brilliant (laughs) my well it's completely unlike the type of shooting that you've been talking about but my brother runs our little shoot at home and it's noticeable that he quite frequently it says to well, I'll run the I'll run the day, but I'll also back gun. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> and annoyingly, of course, he does clean everything up behind us, and it's yeah, brilliant. And there's a reason he does it, and it's not just to wind us up. <laughs> I, I, it's doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing. Uh, but listen, I think you know, with all that lead stuff, it all got dangerously serious for a moment yeah. or two. <laughs> um, so I think uh, it's time to, to go back to some of the the, the, the silliness. So um, the way we like to round these all off is with uh, desert island shooting. So the idea is you've got this theoretical one last day. Let's say there's a ban coming in. All shooting's going to be cancelled forever. <laughs> Money's no object. Logistics don't matter. You can invite anyone you want. What are you going to go and do? Where are you going? You know, all that stuff. What What's the dream day or weekend or whatever? I'm going to give you two because because this is a high pheasant one. But my my absolute last day shooting ever would be at Mill Den in Glen Esk with our wonderful host, Dick Hanson. And Nick Bakey would be there and Posse would be there and Phil would be there. And it would just be... The dream scenario up on the north side of Milden is is just heaven. It's heaven on earth. That place, unbelievable. Um, you, have you listened? Have you listened to our, our podcast with Phil Burt? I did. I did listen to it the other day, and and, and he's like, I said, that's unbelievable because the amount of shooting that Phil's done over the years, he's been around a lot longer than I have, and he's like, he basically said the same thing. I thought. Yep, I'm with you there, mate, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just. It is. It is. You can't describe the place. It's just. This is just special. It's so so special. Um, but seeing as this is a high pheasant one, I suppose I better do a high pheasant day and I. So um, I would be very greedy and do a back to back if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and I would just because you know money's no object and you've got helicopters and you can do what you want. Um, they're going to be six drive days, and day one because I, I you know because if this is the dream scenario. So yeah, yeah. I, day, I'm paying for it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're paying for it. Right now, even better, even better. So day one, <laughs> <laughs> day one is in Wales. So we start off at the Glog at Three Valleys, um, which is the drive behind the, the behind the lunch hut, and they come off a big bracken bank, 
and they're just skyscrapers. It's just it's a very classic drive. You're all in a nice flat field, big long sort of arc shaped line, and they're big, big birds off there, and they 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 take a lot of working out. And from there, we would nip over the hills to the oaks at Brigands. And I'd put half the line on the front field and half the line down on the back field for where all the crazy birds are. And that's just, the oaks are just amazing. Then we'd nip across to Welsh Haven, which is also at Brigands. And as you know, that's, like I said earlier, that's my favorite drive. We'd then do Heaven's Water, which is funnily enough at Brigands again, um, off the top of a mountain, <laughs> straight out across, um, ridiculous birds. Then we would nip down to a new one at Dovey Falls, which Anthony's just got going this year, Anthony Price from Cambrian. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, boys, that is incredible. That is another brigands. It's just a serious, it's an A-lister, as I put it. It's a properly good shoot. Uh, and it's spectacular. You've got this waterfall coming off the top of this mountain. And the, the drive I picked there is one we, we've done it a couple of times this year. It's called Unbelievable. And it is unbelievable. It's just pheasants coming off Brackenbank, funnily enough, again. Um, you're in the field in front of the pen underneath and these things are from 40 50 yards i reckon i saw some pheasants here this year 140 150 yards up you know pointless absolutely pointless shooting at them but just to see them it's just spectacular uh it was a hell of a drive it was it was bonkers and then we would go for the last drive we'd go to the bont which is over at sweet lamb which is again it's just a crazy mountain drive where these things come off and it's just like yeah good luck with that boys <laughs> they're just crazy birds and so that would be my ultimate day in wales so I'm delighted to say that nearly all of your first day can be found on Guns on Pegs, if anyone's interested. Can it really? Well, I never. <laughs> yeah, well, it's basically Three Valleys, Brigands, and 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 Dovey Falls, and Sweet Lamb. So, yeah, technical yeah, stuff. Right. Very, very technical <laughs> stuff. So then the second day is going to be a total logistical nightmare because we're going to start down in the West Country. And we're going to go and see Lord Sutton down at down at um, Shaga, and we're going to start on Fat Hen, which is an incredible drive. Just you know, big yeah. big pheasants. You 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 know the one I mean. It's just it's brilliant. We're then going to go to Lords, which is another relatively new drive he's got at Shaga, where they come off this big piece of clear fell. Uh, they're monstrous things, absolutely monstrous. They're diving, nothing straight, right on the edge of range, doing all sorts. Um, then we're going to go to Swine's Cleef, which is at Hadio which I haven't done for a few years now, but still got wonderful memories of shooting that drive there as good as you want. Then we're going to nip down to the Pentilly shoot, just the other side of the River Tamar, and we're going to do Crocodon. And John Rogers has got that now under new regime, and it's, I mean, yeah, we've shot it twice this year, and it's off the Richter scale. It's as good as any drive anywhere you ever want to shoot. Um, so then we're going to, in these super-fast helicopters we've got, we're going to go all the way up to Yorkshire, and we're going to do Cliffwood. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long day. We're probably going to have to do it, you know, on the first day of the season when the days are long. Um, yeah. Cl- Cliffwood up at um, up at Merton with Trevor and Sean, and that's the one I described earlier as well. That's just an incredible drive. And the grand finale is going to be all the way up to the Angus Glens to Milden. And you may not know that Milden's actually got a very, very good pheasant and powder shoot as well in the valley. And there's a drive there called Dalhesney. And there's birds there as good as anywhere in the country. And it's just extraordinary. So I can't think of a better place to finish it off than up at Milden. Oh, and then I'm go home and sleep for a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, put, chuck the guns away, be done with it, get yeah. in the bath, think about it. Job done. Job done. You've got a few memory makers there. But that's, that's, I think, that's what I do. That's what I do. 
that's a lovely way to end it and i love the passion of you talking about that and that really describes it all for me when we're talking about high pheasants and you know why we love doing this you can it's all coming through when you're describing it then it's yeah i think i think you either get it or you, you know, it's like you said we're, we're all yeah. very lucky guys we've, we've been, been able to go around these different places and see these wonderful estates but i mean yeah, yeah if, listen if you can't get passionate about it i wouldn't be doing it simple as that. I, I, I really you do occasionally like um like the gentleman that wrote in earlier and you, we were discussing you do get an odd occasion when there's somebody there that they don't really seem to be enjoying themselves and i say what's the point it's your day off you know you you you, you, you you're there to have fun, and if you can't, you're on a peg anywhere in the country on any shoot in the country. You're having fun. It's simple as that. It's what it's about. And like, if, if, if you're not, why bother? Yeah, so true, so true. Well, I've been absolutely, absolutely brilliant chatting about this, and you've given some fascinating insight into some of the best shoots, some awesome little tips along the way. Um, really great guest to have along. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, it's been fun, boys. Well done. Thank you very much. So, Chris, um, before we say goodbye, just let us know, let everyone know, I should say, what's coming up in the next episode. Yeah, we're um, we're we're deviating away from the the shooting per se. We've got our gun dog episode with the incredibly well known Ben Randall. Uh, so, really looking forward to that one. Coco, my old dog, went to Ben when she was very very young, actually, and he said she's oh, wasted. he said she's wasted on you, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, Ben knows what he's about. <laughs> good, good. Right, so all that remains for me to say is to thank Gowen for joining us uh, and to thank everyone for listening. As per usual, there's one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas or emailing us to tell us uh, where you've been listening from or uh, to share your dream shooting team. Um, just send us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out, uh, we'll send you some garters. Until the next episode, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. God, that went quickly. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You're right, you said it would.